0: There is no time like the 2020s to start a company, to start a startup, you know, with the rise of the internet, you can learn anything at a very low cost. If not for free, you can build anything without needing to know how to code with tools like Bubble and Adalo, and you can get the word out about your products for free by using, you know, sites like Twitter, Product Hunt and Reddit. There's no time like the 2020s to build a company get one element of kind of entrepreneurship and company building that hasn't caught up with the times is venture capital. Unless you live, you know, in San Francisco or New York, chances are you may know what venture capital is, but you may not really know how it works. You may not know who the good VCs are, and you may not know how they think. So with this podcast of forward-thinking investors, I want to dive into this world. I want to help anyone in the world understand what is venture capital, Who are the great venture capitalists and how do they think about their day-to-day with the goal to help more people understand how it works so they can go out and raise capital for themselves and they can build a billion dollar companies just like Larry did at Google or Travis did at Uber or Katrina did at Stitch Fix. That can be you, but it just takes some education and I'm using this podcast as a medium to teach everyone more about venture capital. So if you wanna learn about it, You want to dive in, you want to meet some awesome investors, stick around, listen to some episodes, and I I hope you enjoy. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, we have an investor segment. Today on the show, we have Kojo Osei, who's an investor at Matrix Partners. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Good to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. I'm looking forward to learning more about you and kind of all things investing. So I think to get started, love to learn just a little bit about how you found yourself in in investing. How did you kind of find yourself in the role at Matrix Partners, and how did you get into VC in the first place? Yeah, so maybe g-
1: going going a little bit back, um, I started my career as an engineer. Um, I was a founding engineer at a startup um, that was building computer vision algorithms for radiology, um, and I got to see firsthand the journey going from zero to one. Um, I stayed with that company and eventually became the head of product and getting to see the startup journey really gave me an appreciation for what it meant to build from scratch, to build something from nothing. And I really wanted to continue to do that um, in my career. Going back even further, I had a stint on Wall Street um, doing you know public markets investing and was looking for a way to merge those two interests that is investing and product and early stage building and there are very few places where you can do that venture is pretty much the only place that you can do that um and so as i was thinking about what was next for my career kind of uh stumbled into venture as the intersection uh, of those two interests and passions
0: so let's kind of talk high level you know as as an investor you look at markets right you know you, you look at various markets you figure out which ones are interesting which ones aren't curious for you just to kind of get into your mindset a little bit as an investor um as of today which is you know early january 2022 w- w- what is going on in the world that's interesting you what markets um what markets are moving that kind of ha- have your attention right now
1: yeah i can talk about a few so for context i spend a lot of my time on software infrastructure. Developer tools and applications of AI and ML. Um, so, a few broad themes in these buckets. Number one is the rise of the augmented consumer. So, this is a professional consumer whose job is being augmented with artificial intelligence. This is what I spent a big part of my career as an engineer and as a product leader building. Um, and I'm really bullish on that entire uh, trend, which is that if you're a professional consumer, Um, your work product can be improved in terms of quality and efficiency using AI and ML. Another big theme that I tend to focus a lot on is increasing developer productivity. And so there are just not enough developers to meet the demand, um, for developers, which means that we have to figure out a way to improve the productivity of the existing number of developers. In fact, you see this more critically when it comes to machine learning developers. A big part of my thesis on how the whole ecosystem of developer productivity evolves when it comes to machine learning is that we basically are going to have to equip your kind of regular full stack developer with the tools that allow them to take advantage of uh, improvements in machine learning. Finally, also pay attention more broadly to improvements in compute storage and networking. And so we're... A good example here is uh, just the rise of the data warehouse as uh, a platform for new applications. I think that's super interesting. Um, And so those are some of the broad themes that I'm kind of paying attention to right now um, and the broad areas that I'm interested in.
0: And I think a lot of people listen to this podcast and and, and if you're listening, you know a lot, most of the episodes are founders, but maybe every 20, 30, we bring on an investor like Tojo. But the thing is, I feel like a lot of people don't, you know, know exactly how maybe an investor spends their time in the day, like, you know, what an average day looks like for an investor. So I'd love to kind of dive in into this with you. What do you spend your time on in like a day to day and what activities do you do? And also, you know, as you as you're in your role at Matrix, like is do you do Matrix specific things versus when you previous roles or is it always kind of the same regardless of your where you're at as an investor? Yeah, so I think
1: there are three broad buckets for what I do as an investor. So, you know, the first of those buckets is thesis development. Um, what is my view on a certain market? What is my view on a certain trend? Um, that is obviously informed in my case by engineers that I, uh, work closely with, um, and experts in the various fields that I'm interested in, as well as my own personal experience. As a developer, um, so thesis development is about coming up with a viewpoint on what I think is happening in a certain market or or uh, what I believe about a certain trend. Um, the second part is relationship building. Um, I think it's very important in, in in venture to pay attention to the human element. Uh, primarily, it's not just an exchange of capital; it is really uh, a relationship with someone who's going to be on your cap table for several years. And so, uh, relationship building is just a big part of the job and spending time meeting new folks and developing those relationships is important. Um, and, and finally is portfolio support. Matrix as a fund, uh, really believes in kind of being hands-on and supporting our companies. We think that that is a way to deliver alpha and, uh, that founders deserve support from folks who are on their cap table and so. That is a big part of the job as well.
0: So let's kind of pick up just at that last point. So you you do this work, right? You 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 figure out your thesis um, or thesis side You you spend time in the markets. You learn a, a lot. You meet a lot of people. At what point do you kind of look at a founder or a startup from like, oh, it's a startup in this space too. Oh, this is a startup. They they could be onto something. I want to like get to know them as a potential investment. And I guess like, what is that even, what what does that look like? Um, you know, is it still getting to know them? You know, you just as kind of investor to founders, like, hey, like we want to invest in you, but we want to learn more. Like for, for founders that don't know how this works, walk us through kind of what it looks like to chat with a founder as a potential investment.
1: Yeah, I think my view personally is that it's important to obviously understand uh, the market and the product that you're underwriting as an investor um but for me specifically when i think about early stage investing uh which is pre-seed seed seed, you know series a i can't stress enough the importance of the human element i think that can get lost sometimes but it's it's really important to to uh think about the human element which is the relationship between the founder um and whoever is underwriting the, the company at that stage and so i personally like to meet founders well in advance of when they are raising, I think that's a great time to develop a relationship, to get to know each other um, outside of a scenario where there's an ask. But that's a good time for the founder to figure out if we're the best people for them and for us to also start to figure out if, if it's a fit. And so to answer your question more directly, it is the point at which there is conviction, certainly in the product in the market, but primarily where there's conviction in the founder.
0: So, you know, this is a good track to keep going down. So. Um. Let's say there's a founder, a great company. They 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 meet a investor. Um. What you know that they liked. The investor likes them, but they want to get to know each other. What are some things that actually we'll go both ways? What are some things that founders should maybe like ask an investor to get to know them, or like th- the questions they may not know what to ask, and then vice versa. Maybe you you specifically like what do you like to learn about a founder? Like and, and also like are there parts of a uh, opportunity that matter more to you? Like, do you care about product? Do you care about market, team, all of it? You know, I guess what, what, where do you put the weight in your investment kind of decisions?
1: Yeah, I can talk concretely about one of the activities that uh, I learned from one of my partners here at Matrix, which is basically you want to engineer a scenario where you can work through a problem together with the the founder that you're talking to. And so for founders, this is also a great way to see if whoever you're talking to can actually add value to you. And so that could look like picking a product problem. It could look like picking a go-to-market problem and talking through it together. Basically, you want to uh, figure out if there is synergy in your work relationship and also for uh, everyone to figure out um, if it's fit. And so I definitely really encourage founders to, um, while they're getting to know, potential investors, um, figure out a way to, uh, create a scenario where they can work through something together, um, and, and kind of have a conversation about something that matters to them, uh, well in advance of, of a fundraising conversation.
0: Cool. That's, that's very helpful for a founder listening to, to this, getting kind of a first exposure to investor mindset. This is, this is gold. I do want to tran- transition a little bit to something that everyone seems to be talking about these days, but I'd love your opinion on, um, just like maybe as an individual, you know, as a person and like, as, you know, putting your investor hat on, it seems like everyone these days are, are building a blockchain company, building web three, like everyone is like pivoting, you know, it's uh like the consumer apps pivoting to web three and that what I'm observing from my community and kind of my audience is there's a lot of people that are like what do I do like I I like what I'm doing now but there's all this stuff going into web three um so I'm curious like I know like I I don't know if you have a developed thesis here but it's like how what's your perspective on web three and the secondary question is should founders do anything about it at this point or just kind of uh, you know or just kind of build what they were planning on building a year ago what's your perspective on that? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, your job as a
1: founder is to solve problems for which you get you get rewarded um, and problems that have an impact uh, which you get rewarded financially for. So I tend to think of new platforms through the lens of what does this platform enable? Does it allow you to solve an existing problem more elegantly or does it allow you to solve uh, a problem for which there was not previously a solution for? And so I think that's the lens through which I would view you know, Web3, um, and so it boils down to answer the question, whatever problem you're trying to solve, can it be solved more elegantly with a decentralized on-chain solution or not? Um, and so I think, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of my view on that specifically, I, I tend to, you know, pay attention to some of the infrastructure developments, um, in Web3 as a whole, um, and I. Don't think I'm very good at speculating on what coin or NFT or uh, whatever is going to take off. I just don't think I have any alpha there. And so I don't really pay any attention to that. I pay more attention to, again, the enabling developer patterns that allow us to solve existing problems more elegantly or have solutions for problems that we previously could not solve. That's what I'm interested in. Um, And I think, you know, the rest of it, time will tell how, how it plays out.
0: You're telling me Dogecoin doesn't get you super 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 amped? That <laughs> nah, just, just <laughs> yeah um, yeah not quite not quite yeah, maybe for- may, maybe good for your speculative portfolio
1: if you're speculating on coins um and and you have a direct line to Elon and you can tell him to tweet, tweet Doge, um good for you but that's not really the business of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I the, how Elon has gotten like if, you know involved with that in a very small way is funny to me. Um, well, cool. So I have one more question on a total another market, but similar style of question, like what are your thoughts on it? And it's the market that you're already in, you know, the, the market of venture capital. I mean, there is so much going on with crowdfunding, with angel lists, with just democratization of, oper- like, you know, of access, just like with the internet, with COVID, all this stuff is changing, deals going in, money going up, et cetera. I'm curious, like, do you, as a VC, like, Do you pay attention or sorry, do you like, do you you pay specific attention to what's going on in like a macro environment or like, does it not really matter to you because like you're you're just a VC working with individual founders? I guess, how do you think about changes in the VC landscape and how much do you think that affects you?
1: So if I had to summarize what I think is the fundamental change happening in the VC landscape, it would be that the asset class is getting bigger and is becoming more mature. Some of this is driven by record low interest rates and negative real rates, um, which is pushing investors further out into the risk curve. We'll see if this continues as we get out of a low interest rate environment. But I think, you know, it's a good thing that we are seeing lots of new emerging managers. We are seeing lots of new different strategies. I think as an asset class gets large, different strategies can deliver alpha and that's fine. I think there there are several ways to, um, you know, Build a build build a fund that has great returns. Um, and I think you know different folks are are taking different approaches. So I think all of this is a net positive for the ecosystem. Um, it's it's net positive for us to have more capital to support builders and to support entrepreneurs. Um, personally, I feel privileged to be at a fund that has been around for forty five years and has seen a lot of different market cycles and has stayed consistent with the strategy that supports our founders. Um, so I think that the change in the VC landscape. Uh, we'll, we'll see how things play out as we get out of a low interest rate environment in the coming, in the coming years. But I think, you know, the net effect is that, um, there's a lot more capital, uh, to support a lot more people who are trying to build and make an impact in the world. And that's, that's, a, that's a good thing.
0: It's so interesting for me, just on the ground floor, like I'm a pre-seed founder. So I talked to all these, like lots of pre-seed founders and like, there is so much flying around because we a lot of us don't have the context of like being around for 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 you know you know many decades. So there just it's kind of uh interesting to just hear the different thoughts on where things are going. But I I I subscribe to your viewpoint. Like it's just cycles. It's just like, you know, it's a very long game and it's you know same questions. I have one last question for you before we wrap it up. And I always end it with this question, um, because I, I love the answers and it's very valuable for founders. What is one thing that you wish Pre-seed or just early stage founders knew knew more about. It could be about like fundraising or a mistake that they often make that you just wish they wouldn't make that mistake. Um, but like if you could tell, you know, a million seed founders one thing to help them avoid something, you know, what would that be or what would be the pieces of advice there? That's a great question. Um, I think that
1: one mistake is really just treating the relationship between founder and VC as, you know, a a monetary transaction. I think. In the best case scenario you're 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 just leaving stuff on the table in the worst case scenario, you're actually I think doing your business at this disservice right if you're just viewing the the relationship as a monetary transaction because then you're not benefiting from um the v c knowledge by osmosis that you're gathering um and so I think I think you know cannot emphasize enough just how important it is. Uh, and I know other folks would disagree with this, but you know, it's just kind of my view, cannot uh, emphasize enough how important it is to really try to build a relationship. Um, you know, if you can. And um, you know, that's what VCs do all day. <laughs> just talk to people. So, you know, to definitely, definitely talk to them, reach out. Um, and and I would speak for myself. Definitely um always very excited to talk to founders. Um, but if there is one mistake, it's it's the, you know, it's this idea that I think has gotten a lot more popular in the last, um, you know, I would say two years that that this is primarily a a monetary transaction. And this notion of VC being commoditized, I think, misses a big part of what the job really is. Um, and so I, I, I think that is one thing I would I'd advise founders on to just really try to build relationships if they can, uh, far in advance of raising money.
0: Well, if someone wanted to find you on the internet, do you have a Twitter, LinkedIn, email if you want to share? If not, that's fine. Where, where can some kind of learn more about you on the internet?
1: Yeah, totally. I have a Twitter. It's, it's Hey Kojo. It's H E Y Kojo. Um, uh, same on LinkedIn. It's just Kojo. I, I, you know, definitely am a big, um, uh, sort of, uh, cold email person and I love meeting new people. Um, and my email is just Kojo at matrixpartners.com. So, um, definitely folks can find me.
0: Um, and I'm always happy to chat. All right. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me.